turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Over the years, I have come to love and value the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, um, I love Christmas, but I have come to really, really rejoice in the resurrection. You can't have one without the other. If all you have is Christmas, it ends up meaningless. And if we don't have Christmas, we don't have the resurrection. And uh, I guess one of the things about the resurrection that I value and appreciate is the fact that it hasn't been as commercialized as Christmas has been. But the reality is, the resurrection, I think what I love about it, it's just all about victory. It's just all about, as Jason said, and the songwriter and the scripture said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? And it it guarantees so many things. And today we want to look at the resurrection ramifications. Because of the resurrection, there are well over 300 verses concerned with the subject of Jesus' resurrection in the New Testament alone. It is It is really the focal point of of the reality of Christ's life. And and in understanding this, I I believe many times we fail to realize the importance of it. And yet, you understand, we meet on the first day of the week as a vivid reminder to us of the resurrection, that this is a reminder every Sunday when we meet that we serve a living Savior. 1 Corinthians 15 is really a a treaty, if you please, a treatise of Paul writing, defending the resurrection, but not so much defending the resurrection, letting the resurrection of Jesus Christ defend itself. And I would encourage you to uh, read 1 Corinthians 15 sometime today, if you haven't already. And uh, today we're going to look at various sections of this to look at the ramification of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection proves many, many things. Number one, it proves that He is Lord, meaning that He is supreme. He is the final authority. Notice if you'd look in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet when he saith, All things are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. 
And when all things shall be subdued under him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? And he goes on and says, we stand in jeopardy that our faith would be in vain. Talking about the resurrection, he said, Jesus Christ will put all things under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. In the resurrection, Jesus Christ conquered death, he conquered sin, he conquered Satan. Satan had thrown at Jesus Christ throughout all of history, trying to stop him from coming trying to dissuade him from the cross. He had thrown at him his very best, and it was to no avail. Jesus Christ, as we've heard already today, finished the payment for sin, and then he rose victorious, conquering sin, conquering death, and conquering the devil. I mean, those are the things that that are the enemies to the very soul of man. Those are the things that that are the um, nemesis of mankind. And Jesus Christ in the resurrection conquered him. He put all things under his feet. He is the Lord. Now, you must either identify him as the Lord... Or, as um, I believe it was C.S. Lewis said, he is either a liar, meaning he said he is the Son of God and he isn't, or he is a lunatic, meaning he's out of his mind, I'm the Son of God. There's a lot of people that walk around today, if you haven't run into any of them, count yourself lucky. But honestly, I've run into people that actually think they are Jesus Christ. Well, if Jesus were not God, he would have been a lunatic. He is either a liar, he is either a lunatic, or he is Lord. Meaning, the master of everything, in control of everything. And he proved this when he rose from the dead. So we ask the question, he is the Lord of everything. Have you acknowledged him in your life as the Lord of your life? Christ's resurrection proves that he is Lord, that he is supreme, that he is the final authority. It also proves that faith in Christ is secure. Notice verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 15. Well, notice verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified that God raised up Christ, whom if he raised not up, 
if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. So he says, if we say that we have faith in Christ and Christ did not rise again, our faith is worthless. It's meaningless. It's, he said he would do this and he didn't do it. So he cannot be the Lord and our faith is in vain. Faith is believing what God said he would do. Or faith is believing what God said that he did. I love where the angel comes and says, He is not here. He is risen as he said. Babe Ruth went down in folklore history because he said, I'm going to hit a home run and put it right out there. And he did it. Whoop-de-doo. Tried dying and not just saying you'll rise again. After three days, he didn't rise again after a day and a half or after two days or after five days or after five months. He did it exactly as he said. No one has ever done that and no one will ever do that again. And this confirms that our faith is not in vain. If Christ had not risen, all Christianity is a lie. But no one has ever been able to refute the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Years ago, some bones from one of Buddha's fingers were sent as a gift to the emperor of China during the Tang Dynasty. They were later forgotten about and then found in 1981. The finding of these bones from a finger of Buddha was a sensation to the Buddhists everywhere. And the bones are now literally visited by many, many Buddhists. If someone claimed to find a finger that belonged to Christ, no Christian would believe him because our faith is founded in the fact that there is no finger to find, there is no bone to find. He is not dead, he is alive. And the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion is the founder of Christianity is still alive. The founder of Buddhism is dead. The founder of Islam is dead. And you could go on and on, but the founder of Christianity is alive. And our faith is not in vain because of that. And because of that, we rest in the fact that God is in control, that things are not out of control. And that we rest in in that. Our faith in Christ is secure. And we rejoice in that. 
So the resurrection proves he is Lord. It proves that faith in Christ is secure. And thirdly, it proves our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Notice verse 1 of chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye had believed in vain. Verses 3 and 4 are the gospel in a nutshell. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Right there is the message of the gospel. Christ did that to pay the penalty for our sin. He died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day as payment. This is, the gospel means good news. This is the good news. Christ took my place. I was the guilty one. I was the lawbreaker. I violated God's law. The end result of that is death. Christ came and took my death. That's good news. He took my place. He died for my sins, and by his death, I have salvation. Without the resurrection, we are still in our sin. Notice if you'd look at verse 56, the sting of, oh, verse 55 of the same chapter. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sins are only forgiven through trusting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that alone for the forgiveness of sins. If I trust the death, burial, and resurrection and my good works, I do not have faith in Jesus Christ alone. If I trust the death, burial, and resurrection and baptism, I do not have faith in Jesus Christ alone. The only thing that forgives sin is faith in Jesus Christ alone. And knowing that he conquered death, he rose from the dead, and resting in the fact that God has accepted the payment of Jesus Christ for our sin. When Jesus said, it is finished, he didn't say, I've paid most of all your sin, you do the rest. No, he said, it is finished, and God acknowledged that the payment for your sin and my sin was complete. All we must do is receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Has there been a time in your life where you have personally called upon Jesus Christ and received the gift of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin? The resurrection proves that our sins are forgiven only through Christ. The resurrection also proves that our future is very, very bright. 
Notice verse 19, we've read it already. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If the only thing Christ does is help us in this life, he said, that's a miserable existence. But he said that he has come not only to help in this life, but for eternity. Notice if you'd look in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Do you notice what he's saying here? He's saying, this is what we are in the flesh. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this corruption will someday put on incorruption. Don't you get tired of dealing with all the corruption of this life? I mean, the aches and pains of life, the sicknesses, the diseases, the death, all of these things, that's corruption. But the day is coming because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we will put on incorruption. The decay, the ruin, the destruction, the perishing will then fade away to unending existence, genuineness. And the, re- the privilege of it being in the presence of God. This dishonor, this disgrace that we have in this life, the reproach, the shame, will give way to glory, to dignity, to honor, to praise. A bright young girl, 15 years old, was suddenly cast upon a bed of suffering completely paralyzed on one side and nearly blind, she heard the family doctor say to her parents as they stood by the bedside, she has seen her best days, poor child. Immediately she said, no, doctor, my best days are yet to come when I shall see the king in his beauty. That's our hope and promise and reality in Christ. See, in this life, how many of you have already thought you've lived your best days of this life? Come on, be honest. You guys, in this life, I said, all right? You guys struggle climbing a, climbing a fleet flight of stairs and you think, I'll never be able to go hiking in the mountains again. Honestly, how many of you think you've seen your best days already? Some of you have lost your minds already. That's evident, all right? Now, you younger people, I understand you think your best days are good. Honestly, I, I have seen my best days in this life. There's no question about that physically. They're way in the rearview mirror, okay? But the reality is, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all people most miserable. But 
Think of it. This corruption will put on incorruption. And all the flaws and all the propensities to our heart to evil and all the battle with evil will be put away and the best is yet to come. When John Quincy Adams was 80 years old, a friend said, How is John Quincy Adams? He replied in the third person, John Quincy Adams himself is very well, thank you. But the house he lives in is sadly dilapidated. It is tottering on its foundation. The walls are badly shattered and the roof is worn. The building trembles with every wind. And I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it before long. But he himself is very well. Do you understand? He understood the reality that the best is yet to come. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. And the day is going to come when we'll move out of, as believers, we will move out of this body to the best place we can ever live. And the reality, that's all because of the resurrection. Notice verse 51. Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. See, the best is yet to come. For we as believers, our future is bright. We, We know that God will bring justice. He will make things right. We shall all be changed. You talk about a total makeover. That's what we're talking about right there. We shall all be changed to His image. Are you rejoicing today that Christ is the victor? That the battle is already won and the best is yet to come? Our future is bright. Christ's resurrection proves He is Lord. That our faith in Christ is secure. That our sins are forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. That our future is bright. And then notice the last two verses of the chapter. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of the truth of the resurrection, because of 1 Corinthians 15, the theme of it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our labor is not in vain in Jesus Christ. There are people in the nursery today that are changing things, not like we said we will be changed, but they are changing things today and they are doing it as to the Lord. 
that labor is not in vain. When you go and serve someone, that labor is not in vain. Why? Because there's coming a day of resurrection. As Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he guarantees there will be a resurrection. And he will give to every man according to that he has done as a believer. You may do something and nobody notices it, nobody thanks. Gives thanks for it, shows appreciation. God sees what's done. Every prayer that is prayed, God knows it. A cup of cold water given in His name, God knows it. And your labor is not in vain. And because of the resurrection, we are to be steadfast. This aspect of steadfast, not shaken or agitated with the strife that goes on around us. We are to be steadfast. The temptations, the cares of this life do not affect us. We are fixed in our faith. Because of the resurrection, we are not only to be steadfast, we are to be immovable, stable, have a a firm, unshakable faith. I know things may not be right in this life, but I know God will make things right, and I will not be moved from my faith. I know there comes dark days that I may not see what God is doing. I may not understand all the things But nothing is going to shake me from my faith because I know He rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He is coming again. And someday He will make all things right. So I will not be moved from Him. And because of the resurrection, we are to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is your life invested in? Is it abounding in the work of the Lord? Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If you're planting a garden or changing a diaper or grinding metal or whatever it is you're doing, if you do it as to the Lord, the Lord will reward it. And the reality is it's because of the resurrection. If there is no resurrection... There will be no eternity. There will be no justice. There will be no rewards. You might as well pack it in and go do whatever you want and forget it. But the reality is Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We don't have time to go into all the proof. But it has never been refuted that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If they could prove that he did not rise from the dead... They would have done it already because that's the crux of the matter. That is all of Christianity hangs on that. And as much as they want to destroy Christianity, they could do it if they could prove he didn't rise from the dead, but they can't do it. And because of that, we should be always abounding in the work of the Lord, understanding that our labor is not in vain. There come many days that it seems like your labor is in vain. What's the use? Why do I do this? 
But all your work will be rewarded and you don't quit. This is a promise of God. Your work will not be in vain. Talk about good returns on your investments. Any investment you make in this life does not have guaranteed returns. But this investment has a guaranteed return. And it all centers on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating here today. He is supreme. My faith is secure because I've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I know that my sins are forgiven in him. The future is bright and my labor is not in vain. Let me ask you today, has there been a definite time that you personally exchanged your sinful, rebellious heart and said, God, I need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. I call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. If you have never done that, you can do that right today, right where you're seated, right now. God's ears are open to your prayer. And if you have done that, are you living in light of the resurrection? Are you living in the joy of the resurrection? We don't have time. There is no way to explain the difference between the disciples before the resurrection and after the resurrection except the resurrection. They went out and they were firmly convinced of all the truths that they had been taught. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead and they said, Wow! He is the victor! He is the champion! They were willing to give their lives for it. What are we willing to do? What have we invested that will be rewarded? And it all is because of the resurrection. There should not be a Christian on the face of the earth today that is not encouraged by thinking about the resurrection. We should be greatly encouraged and and motivated and understand the reality. You know, every year, every year we say a temporary goodbye to a lot of people. And I guess maybe this is why I love the resurrection, and I love that, and I'm glad Jason mentioned that little snarly attitude, oh, death, where is your sting? Because funerals aren't a fun thing to be around. But they're going to be conquered by faith in Jesus Christ. And in realizing that, we rejoice yet today. And God is at work. God is the Lord. He is supreme. He is the master of all. He is at work around the world today. I talked to Hannah Shaheen this last week in the ministries in the Middle East. I said, what's going on in Syria? He said, the truth is there are two evil forces fighting against each other. I I said, what, both sides are evil? He said, absolutely. They're demonically controlled. But he said, Christians in Damascus are fleeing. But his guy in Damascus says the church keeps getting filled up with Muslims coming to Christ. 
They said, they give thanks for ISIS because it is revealing the true nature of Islam and it's drawing people to Christ. Know what that tells me? Jesus is Lord and supreme over all. And the day is coming. Think of it. People are coming to Christ in, in these horrible conditions. And it's because Christ is about life and everything else is about death. In Christ alone, we have life. Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts would truly grasp the message of your resurrection. I pray that we would not be left the same. And Lord, I pray that we would live in the reality that the best is yet to come. Lord, I pray if there is one person here today who has never called upon you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray today that they would do that. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you may be here today and you may say, I am not sure I have ever called upon the Lord to forgive my sins. I wish you would pray for me. If that's your heart's desire, would you just raise your hand that I could pray for you today? I'm not going to call your name if I know your name. I'm not going to embarrass you, but you're here today and you'd say, I am not sure I have ever trusted Christ to forgive my sins. I'm concerned about it. Would you just slip up your hand? Okay. You're here today as a believer, and you say, God has challenged my heart today. I have not been living in the reality of the resurrection. I wish you would pray for me that I would live in the reality of, of the resurrection. Would you just slip up your hand that we could remember you in prayer? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that the reality of your resurrection would control our lives today. And not just today, but until you come again. And Lord, thank you for the difference that is made because you rose victorious from the dead. Lord, may our faith be strong. May we be motivated to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And Lord, may you be pleased as we remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's